Listen to your favorite podcasts on any device with Pocket Casts. You can start an episode on your phone during your commute, pick up where you left off on your laptop at work, then finish at home on a smart speaker like Alexa without missing a beat. Download the free Pocket Casts app today for Android or iOS. Find us online at pocketcast.com or use the app on Alexa, Chromecast, Sonos, Apple Watch, and CarPlay. Hello and welcome to episode four of Flintoff, Savage and the Ping Pong. <laughs> that, that's me. Slightly underwhelming description. That's what they call me, Matthew Side. Uh, before going on to some meaty topics, three fantastic topics actually. Um, thank you for getting in touch through the week using the hashtag FredFavSide. But first of all, guys, what have you been up to over the last week? Let's start. With Monsieur Savage. Um, not much, Matthew, really. Quite a clear week. Just um, dad's taxi, taking my boys to football, to cricket. Um, um, and last night, arguing about who was going to put the bins out. Seriously, I was. I love it. I, I was well, out. He's arguing. That's a man's job. That's my job no. at home. I like putting the bins out. This is yeah. where it's got to. If I put the bins out, I get out of the house for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie, you don't put the bins out. You yeah, have, I do you usually. I do usually. But I was out all day. I got back and I forgot. So my wife said to me, when I was a comfy on the sofa, first time I sat down all week, yeah. you know, can you put the bins out, Rob? I said, oh. But to, to, to be fair, in Rob's defence, he has got a massive drive. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got to take the bins all the way up. He's got to walk past the little chef in the BP garage <laughs> to get to the end of his drive. You need a golf buggy. So that was my... So anyway, in the end, you know, my wife put them out, but it's my job usually. And we're going to actually talk about relationships with Ooh. our other halves and how difficult that is when we're mm. sports people and obsessive about our sports. So we'll come on to putting the bins out maybe in more detail later. Freddie. I've had an up and down week, Matthew, to be honest. It's been an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> it really has. Right? I, I did a thing with Professor Green. You must be aware of Professor Green. You're into your rap music, aren't you, Matthew? I can see you. You're the demographic he's after. I thought it was the guy <laughs> the from prof- the London, London School of Economics. No, he's, he's not a real professor. He's a rapper. <laughs> okay. So I, I did this thing on mental health for the princes, big initiative push. Great lad, by the way. Great lad. But before that, on the Tuesday night, I spent a night down in London. I was in an hotel and I got down. I sat on the bed. I put the TV on. And I watched Holby City. Right. <laughs> And the thing about Obi City, I'm, I'm not an emotional man. I'm not a crier. I'm not one of these new ages. At end of Obi City, you didn't I, was, cry. I was crying. No, come I was on, crying no. at Obi City. There was this thing where one of the doctors had lost a daughter and she took it out on poor Dr. Burroughs, this new doctor. <laughs> and then they had a clinch and a cry at the end. I was in my bed at Marriott at Regent's Park. I was welling up. There was tears <laughs> running down my eyes. I was thinking, what's going on? But doesn't this happen every week on Casualty and Holby City? Yeah, hey, hey, Matthew, early Matthew, in the, early Matthew in the please do not mix the two up. Are, but aren't they related to each other? Really, no, it's, it's a show it's on, but Obi City, get on it. Yesterday, though, Robbie, yeah. as you well know, was my wedding anniversary. Oh, what I was married 12 years oh, yesterday. Right, applaud, Matthew. 12 years ago, what? I rescued my missus from the south, brought her north, and, and showed what? her a bit of the good life. Oh, so what did you take it out for a nice meal? You know, got her some flowers, oh. perfume. What, what, what'd you get her? Oh, right, here we go. Right, you, 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 I, I should not tell you anything. Why? All right, this is what happened. <laughs> It's been a busy weekend. A locket so of his hair. Right, we, yeah. <laughs> we didn't go out. But what I did was I got some flowers, a nice big bouquet of flowers. Oh, no. And then 
For our 12th anniversary, I bought a two box. Oh, two box? Two box. No. <laughs> oh, Matthew knows what's coming. One called Bounce. Shut up. <laughs> and one called The Greatest Matthew Size Box. Yeah. Right, yesterday morning, on a Sunday no morning. Way. Right. I love this. Right, Sunday morning, I, I'm thinking, because there's a present on the bed and it looks pretty good. I've only got flowers. I'm racking my brains. I'm on the way home from the gym. I'm thinking, what can I get her? What can I get her? So I went to Waterstones, right? <laughs> In Wilmslow. <laughs> Five to nine. It doesn't open till ten on a Sunday. I'm knocking on the door at Waterstones. This lad with the beard comes up looking very confused. He opens the door. You know what his first lines were? Um, he said, you know, this is Waterstones, not Weatherspoons. <laughs> <laughs> so, on a Sunday morning. So, I've, I've got in. I says, look, I'm looking for a couple of books. Um, I want Bounce by Matthew Said. So, he points me in the right direction. Two of your books are on buy one, get one half price. <laughs> the greatest. But Bounce isn't. So, I've said to him, I says, look, mate, I know him. I know him. He won't mind. If I buy Bounce, can I get the other half price or vice versa? He's saying, no, no. I'm saying, come on, mate, please, please. I know him. I'll ask him. He won't mind the royalties. He'll give him me. <laughs> Did it, Matthew, not bring you in? I've been asking and dropping it for weeks. Oh, I know. Nothing. I would have thought if I'd bought it today, it would have been too late. That's why I said last week. Well, yeah. it's fine. But the missus was very happy. She thought it was very thoughtful. I love that story. Wow. Thank you. There you go. Next week, Robbie, I'm going to bring you all three. But let's get into the first topic, which is trash Talking, and this is based on the dramatic fight between Hay and Bellew on Saturday night. And we all know in the build-up there was deep controversy. Hay said, you're not going to be able to chew your food. I'll be standing over your limp body in the ring. I'm going to come to the hospital and let you play with my hair. At another point, he said, I've never had a fight where I really wanted to cave someone's skull in like this, ever. Bellew, hit back. I'll put you in that pathetic haircut to sleep. SpongeBob SquarePants. Not really that funny, but uh, I smashed your buddy, your playmate, and I'm going to smash you in the same way. A lot of expletives, and as I said earlier, a lot of controversy. Now, it seems to me, guys, that this needling of other athletes, opponents, is creeping in, certainly to cricket. We know it in sledging. It happens in football. I want to drill down into the ethics of this, the psychology of it. Does it work? Doesn't it work? What's the right state of mind to approach a a big contest? Is it hatred or is it calmness? Is it being clinical? Um, But let's kick off with the actual fight itself. Hey, Bellew, um, Robbie, what was your take on the build-up? What was your take on the fight itself? Well, it crossed the line, the build-up. Um, but I'll tell you what it made me do. It made me buy the fight. Did it? It did, really did. I, I, I didn't watch it. Yeah. I didn't watch it because, one, I spent my £16.99 on two of Matthew's books. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and two, I, I, do you know what? Eddie Hearn, who promoted the fight, love him or loathe Eddie Hearn. I don't care, but he does a great job. Great job. What he did in that fight on the weekend is probably the most pointless fight since mine, this one. <laughs> but what he's what he's done is he's created a lad who's not even a heavyweight. He's a cruiserweight against someone who's not had a proper fight for four years and nobody cares about. As much as he tries to be relevant, he is not relevant, David, here. All of a sudden, everybody is talking yep. about this fight. Everyone's going to spend the sixteen ninety nine or whatever it was on box office, record things on BBC Five Live, people listening to the fight. And it's a fight, let's be honest, that has no belts, no nothing up for grabs. What it has got is two adults. And I stress this, these are two adults, 36 and 34-year-old 
calling each other names, threatening to do this, that, and the other to the other. That's not sport. That's no. not what sport's all about. I was watching the press conference. I saw the press conference. And on the end, you had the lad who's training David Hay, Shane McGuigan. He trained me as well, so he works with all the greats. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the end. And I know what Shane's like. I know his philosophy on boxing. He works with Carl Frampton, one of the best fighters in the world and one of the nicest blokes and ambassadors for the sport. Now he's found himself sat next to a bloke who is just talking nonsense. It's like two 12-year-old girls having an argument. It's but like, is, what, what are you doing? But isn't there a, a sort of tension in what you're saying? Because on the one hand, you're saying it's a triumph of marketing. They managed to get lots of people to cough up for the fight because of the controversy, because of the trash talk. I think... David Hay cleared over 4 million, Bellew more than 1 million, massive pay-per-view ratings. But on the other hand, he's saying it's not sporting. Robbie, where do you... You know, I I watched the fight and basically, you know, Hay obviously um, hurt his Achilles. And after round five or six, it was only going to be one winner, Bellew. There's reports he broke his hand. So in in the end, the fight was a bit of a farce as well. And I've got to say, I did enjoy the fight. A lot of drama. Drama, but... What I don't accept, and this is what I can't get my head around, and this is where I would differ, that you listened to the both fighters before the fight and they were a disgrace and it was a joke and it was horrible. You know, my, my kids were in the car listening to that. It was on, on the radio and it was shocking. But afterwards, and people say, well, they earned each other's respect in the ring. But I'm not having it. And then they were hugging and saying, yeah, let's get on again. And all It was mm-hmm. so much love flying about the ring. I'm not being funny. If I hated somebody that much... Before a fight, there's no way, even if he punched each other yeah. for 12 rounds, that I would be doing after. They sold the fight well, but I will not believe a word now. Yeah. This is my, my opinion. I will not believe a word that comes out of a boxer's mouth before a fight. It's because you know it was hypocrisy. It's just they a were marketing. Deli- yeah. Just an exercise in By marketing. By the way, on, on uh, Eddie Hearn, did you notice after the fight, when he went into the I ring and off, tried to hug Bellew, he got pushed off? He got pushed off. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he no, was I mean, embarrassing Eddie, wasn't it? Like, that was really Eddie. embarrassing. The trash talk, myself, we've all been involved in it. The examples I, when Dion Dublin um, headbutted me, you know... Yeah, but to be fair, he was just at the front of the queue. Very <laughs> <laughs> careful. Let me put my teeth back in. Um, so when, when did that happen? What was the so context? There was a, uh, so leading up to these Villa-Birmingham games, you know, Olive Melberg was saying, you know, we don't even know half the Birmingham players are, or words to that you know, that magnitude, where I can't yeah. remember exactly what they were. So we that fired us up. Right, we'll show them. We'll show the bigger neighbour. We'll show the, the people who got 40,000 every week, probably earning more money than us. You know, we've just come up to the Premier League. You know, we've got no right to retake really these on, but we, we were the underdog. So all the trash talk started. And then in the game, Dion Dublin smashed me in the tackle. I've got up. I just called him a bleep word. Yep. It was just as a, 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 an everyday word, which you'll hear from a football fan or a, yep. or a football on the pitch. And he got up and he, he lost his head and he headbutted me. And that was it. So, you know, so... Did he get sent off? He got sent off and he was expletive down the camera when he was getting sent off or words... I think the, I think the word he said was I was a cheat. But everybody, the pictures are there. The pictures are there to show he headbutted me, yeah? So, would I have shook his hand after? Would I have shook his hand after that saying, yeah, OK, it's forget right, about yeah. it? It's not going to happen. Because your because anger towards him was real. It wasn't real, contrived. Real, yeah. real. Is that... But how but, often... Just talk... What is it yeah. like in a football game? Do, do you have people deliberately needling each other I was one to of the try worst. and get somebody sent off? What, what's the sort of the most oh, graphic examples? I was one of the worst. Oh, I you got, surprised I, me now, Rob. I got headbutted about three or really? four times um, yeah. by people. What yeah. about in your second game? <laughs> 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 Matthew, 
I I was one of the I was one of the people. But don't laugh, Matthew. It's not funny. Seriously, don't clap either. He's on fire um, today. Yeah, Sorry. Don't clap either. So I was one who tried to get every ounce. Every, I tried to get into the mental right of my opponent. I'd be saying, who, do, "Who are you?" Blah blah blah. You know, because I got quite. Where would you say it on the pitch in the tunnel? On every, every opportunity, uh-huh. every opportunity, and people would be to me stuff like, "I've done X, Y, and Z to you, to you, misses." What? Yeah, that's they, that. they, they go there. They go there. They go there. Hundred percent. It got that low. Got that low. Um, um, mum. Not family. Family. Yeah. No. And uh, is this common on a football pitch in in the Premier League? When I played, yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't know now, but it was all all kinds like that, and it made me play better. The funny thing is, it made me play better. You I needed to be angry. Angry. I wouldn't go into my shell. I think right. Yeah, that's what I was like. Come on, Freddie. I think. We, just moving on to cricket because cricket, you think of it, and you know this is a game that traditionally has been gentlemanly. They stopped for luncheon and tea, and yet even he stopped a lot for that. Been when he <laughs> even though <those laughs> legend's been around for a long time, WG Grace, it sort of became more prevalent with Alan Border and Steve Waugh called it, I think, mental disintegration. What's your sort of experience of sledging? How often did you use it? What was it like? Well. Yeah, I, I, I have used it and I've been sledged. And do you know what? I remember playing my first test match for England against South Africa. I was 20 years old and I've got walked out to bat. And as I walked out to bat, I got abused like I've never been abused before. And John T. Rhodes, glorified fielder. Yeah. Yep. Right? He's, he stands there at backward point. This fella, right? He's, he's like um, a man of the cloth. He, he, loves, he loves the religion. He's mm-hmm. always barking on about it. Yep. And then I come out to bat, bumming heck. Some of the stuff coming out of his mouth. Well, why have you got the pads under your shirt and that? <laughs> <laughs> have you got your bra on? We're notching that up. One can, all. I, can I tell this story? Yeah, go uh, And then you had his mate, Daryl Cullinan, one of the worst yeah. people I have ever played cricket against. He's just abusive, abusive, abusive. What, what sort of stuff? Just, swear, just swearing, calling you every name you could imagine of. They never, to be fair, went to the families, but just calling you every name. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute, lads, what's this about? I'm only trying to have a bat, that's, yeah. that's all. And then I, I sledged some people. If I thought I was going to get one over on them, if I thought it would make a difference, mm. I'd wade in. Mm. But I wouldn't wade in with abuse. I'd try and, I'd try and make it funny. half funny and just try and put them off for that split second. I remember Shoei Bakhtar, Fast ball, yeah. used to ball 100 mile an hour, used to charge. Great play. And he used to have a go at me all the time. I used to come out to that, he'd call me fat, he'd call me chubby, he'd call me all these things, right? And I thought, Do you know what? Third test match in Pakistan, I am going to, I'm getting him first. I'm going to walk out to that and I'm going to give it him. So I walked out to that and he started, he got in, he called me fat boy and this. So I said, Do you know what, Shoaib? It's all right, you look like Tarzan, but you bowl like Jane. <laughs> Right? And as soon as it came out of my mouth, I thought, what have you done? He then put his run up further back. He came charging in. First ball knocked me stumps out of the ground. And I started walking off. And he just shouted, oh, fatty. And I turned around and knew my name. And he just went, oh, <laughs> give it one of them. But then there's also instances where I got it wrong. I got it wrong against Yuvraj Singh. Uh-huh. Yuvraj, Indian cricketer, destructive, great lad. It was playing in the T20 World Cup. My ankle was struggling. I thought this could be my last game. I was like all over the place mentally. And he started hitting sixes. And me and him always had a tussle. And it's only once I've ever done it. Once. I threatened him with violence. Really? And as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was disgusted with myself. But I'm in now. I'll see it through. 
And then he came back at me with his bat, waving his bat around. And I say, mate, you're going to need more than that. <laughs> and we, we get on all right. And then he goes back. I walk to the boundary. Next over, he six sixes off Stuart Broad. <laughs> As the first one goes over my head, he's looking at me smiling. I'm, I put my head down. <laughs> By the fourth one, I was clapping. I fought for third dues. Yeah. But sledging, it can, it can wake people up. Joe, you know, Fred, if, it was, if somebody said to you, your family, I when you, you, you'd, you'd hit them. Yeah. So when, when it... I, I don't subscribe. Say, for instance, you walk out on a field, whether it be football or cricket, because you're on, you're not fair game. You know, the laws of the land still apply. Yep. It's like morality. You know, you can have a laugh and you can try and put me off. I don't mind that, but no, it's like calling me family. Remember Zidane and Matarazzi in the World Cup? Yeah, was it the World yeah. Cup final when yeah. it, something was allegedly said about his his sister or, or his mum and uh, Matarazzi, and then Zidane headbutts him? Would you have done something like that on a cricket pitch? If system you were in bat and the wiki was hammering your family, what, what was, do you think? I'd stop the game and have a, have, really? have a word with him and maybe grab him. Did that happen? Yeah, to... I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have that. Yeah. It's like any other job. Say, for instance, yep. right, we're in here at Five Live now. We go into the boss's office, shut the door, abuse him for 10 minutes, and then when we walk out of his office, go on, let's get a cup but, of tea but, or a brew. we do that every Monday. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Johnny. It didn't affect me at all. It, it inspired me. It did wake you up? Because we had players inspired me. like Jack Callis. Don't say anything to him. This lad's dopey. Just let him be dopey. If you say something, he'll come alive. That happened to you. Yeah. But what I wouldn't do, Fred, after the game, the person who was saying, who was saying all that... I wouldn't shake their hand after oh, the yeah, game. The, the dead to that's me. why I don't get. That's why I don't get all the loving, yeah. all the loving after the the boxing. Can't yeah. get it. Well, let's just talk just briefly about the psychology of this because Muhammad Ali deliberately attempted to get under the skin of Frazier, of um, Foreman, of Norton, of Holmes, all of his opponents because he felt that if I can make Foreman angry, so he loses his ability to think strategically in the ring, I can pick him off with my jabs. Yeah. And he wanted to be clinical and the other person to be emotional. Now, this is what surprises me about you, Robbie. I wanted to be in that calm state of mind when I was approaching a big match. If I was angry, I wasn't able to think in a with the clarity you need mm. when you're playing elite sports. So, so just explain to us how anger can facilitate clinical sporting performance. Well, I would walk onto the pitch. I would go and do stretches. So by the opposition fans, stretching my hamstrings. So basically showing my bottom to the, to, to, to the away fans. You know, they always to hammer that was me. a thrill. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But that's what, 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 what? Through your shorts or you pulled them down? No. So, I'd, so you'd warm up and yeah. I'd intensely run towards the away fans yeah. and stretch my hamstrings. So basically I'm showing my bottom. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care. Then they'd all hammer me. You know, so that <laughs> got me in the move from the first, from the warm up. Right. They'd hammer me. They're but, on my back but, straight away. Looking back. Yeah. Are you proud of yourself? Oh, I don't think. <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't know. But from that angle, from that angle, that angle, those fans were showing me from the first minute. Yeah. That got me going. And right. then in a game, and you used that used as, it, as adrenaline. If they didn't boo me, or people weren't hammering me about my hair, my teeth, whatever it was, the other players, I wouldn't have got going. There was times when I'd have to get booked within ten minutes to get myself going. Just do a stupid tackle. To, to, then people would be booing me again. That got me going and I thrived off it. If I sailed through a game with nobody booing me, nobody hammering me verbally, I wouldn't have been the same player. Really interesting. Really you needed have been. that. I needed that. it. Yeah. There's I two sides it. to mine. Batting, yeah. I don't want to be angry. Just want to be pretty chilled. Just go and have a bat. Yeah. Bowling, oh. oh, if I got angry, I bowled quicker. If I'd hang yeah, if I'd hang over, I'd bowl even quicker <laughs> because I was angry with myself. I'd be angry. Why did you have that extra pint last night? You yeah. feel terrible. Yeah, Run in and bowl quicker and sweat. But you, you you would be angry when you bowl. But just think back to the 
greatest ever performance, I think, in, of an England cricket team after the Ashes. Was it 2005 when yeah. um, there was that dramatic finish to a game? And I think Brett Lee was was batting. Yeah. And you went over and put your arm around. Yeah, but that's just a done thing, isn't it? You know, during that series, everyone says that the 2005 series was great sportsmanship. I tell you what, there was a lot going on on that, that field. There was a lot going on. But the one thing it never did, it never went too far. Yeah. It was fiercely competitive. But then let's think about it, right? Where I grew up in Preston, to even play cricket was hard work. Mm. You know, you go to school and you're, you're going to get bullied because you play cricket. All right? Then you, you turn up at a test match against Shane Warne. He's brilliant. But you look at him and you think, well, you know, you got, White teeth, you got a false tan, and I, I'm not, not. What's wrong with that? This is not a dig, right? <laughs> you know, you've got, you've got, you've got the. Fo- hey, hey, I like Shane, boy. You got the, you got the false. Uh, you, you're dressed in white. Oh, I love it. Your ball spin, you can't even hurt me. Right? And you're you're thinking, we're we're going to stop and have a cup of tea in the next half hour. <laughs> why, why are you bothering? I, I just, I don't get it. Just last question on this topic. What about the incident with Tino Best? Tino Best. I was probably my finest ever. Uh-huh. Usually my sledges backfire, but Tino Best, I couldn't get my head around him. And he was, I just said, like, mind the windows, batting against Ashley Giles. The next boy ran down the wicket and he got stumped, and I just couldn't help but laugh. <laughs> but that's when it goes well. Usually for me, it would go wrong. I'd say something and it would always come back to haunt me. But back to that trash talking of the boxing, just shut up, lads. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, topic number two, and this is Rob's topic, and it's a brilliant one. Already alluded to it. Sporting widows. Mm. The impact on the life of a sportsman on your other half. How does it affect the relationships? Juggling family life when you're supposed to be obsessive, almost pathologically driven to reach the top. How did it work for you, Robbie? What are the sort of difficulties and challenges you confront? So, first of all, let me start by saying, you know, my wife has been so supportive over my career, and you know, oh, you just want to get this. To get that early. Oh, oh my word! Oh. No, and, and it's true. Do you want to lie behind, down here, Rob? You're all right. Behind every good man, there's a good woman, and I've got one of the best. I think. I think it's just hang fire, Rob. Jeremy Cow Studio <laughs> just across there. Let's, let's, Jeremy, come in, mate. We've got the results. <laughs> <laughs> we got the results, and it turns out Robbie Savage is her. He's died. <laughs> Listen, I've got to be honest. We've all, we've all had sporting careers, some more successful than others. Um, but I, my wife, enabled me to go to work and to be the best I could be. Be, but so basically, she would be left at home yep. in the early stages without our kids, and then obviously, you know, we had the kids. How, how early did you meet her? Before so I met her when I was at crew. Ah, half eight in the morning, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'd done the walk of shame half eight from her house in Esmol. Um, um, so um, let me go. I forgot where I'm going now. So basically, yeah, I met she her when I was you. young at crew. Um, after the lock of hair scenario, which is in podcast one or two. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, she moved down to Leicester. So, by being a sportsman, I would go away every Friday, um, every other Friday, stay in a hotel, travel with Wales, go around the world, to a point where, at times, you know, she would miss me, she'd be on her own in Leicester, on her own, no friends. Very difficult for her, I think it was right. She moved from Heswell to be with me because she loved me. And the good thing is, she was with me before, and people might say it, this is just God's honest truth, I had nothing. I had absolutely nothing. I had to borrow money off my mum to take her out. You know, so it's gone full circle, then, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what does she? What What does a sporting wife or widow go through? So, for me, when I played football, there was times when she would go to the players' bar 
on a day of a game. Mm-hmm. So my dad, you know, obviously he's no longer with us, but they would go, they come in the car, get there for about one o'clock, go in the players' bar. There was occasions when she would get in the car after the game, and this would really, really upset me, that they'd be a bit drunk, you know, because, and if I lost, I would, there was one occasion we lost Liverpool 3-0. I was in the car, my wife and my dad giggling. I stopped the car and kicked them out. <laughs> kicked them out. I said, walk them. Because the emotion of me being a sportsman, when you lose, it's, that's it. Yeah. I wouldn't speak to her for three days after the game we lost. That's on, a, on a 48 hours before a game, we'd sleep in separate beds. And if I lost and didn't play well... What? Yeah, seriously. That was her choice, though, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was nothing to do with you. <laughs> but if we lost, Fred, I would not speak to her. I would be horrible to her. I would take all my emotions out on her verbally. She couldn't speak to me. I'd snap at her. And she went through this for 20 years, you know, because I didn't play very well a lot. But the pressure on her from me, the times she'd be thinking, oh, no, he's lost. My, my, my life's going to be hell for the next two or three days because I was that aggressive in terms of snappy. What do you want for your dinner? I don't want dinner. You know, and it was for her to get through to where we are now, it's all credit to yeah, her yeah. because I was horrible as a sportsman in terms of if I lost. And it happened quite a lot. And, you know, she has been brilliant. And Freddie's, Freddie will come on to Freddie and you, you in a minute. But I couldn't have been where I was without my wife. She is a great mother, brought the kids up so well to the point where, as well, when I was at Blackburn, when we had the kids, I would stop on the way home from training in Tesco's car park and have an hour and a half kip. <laughs> because as soon as I got home after training, it would be, I've had the kids all day, here you go. So I Why thought, Tesco? Well, because it's near our house. It was on the way home, big, it's a big car park. Well, there's better places. Well, that's what that was. It's near our house. Well, I couldn't go to Waitrose. I know yeah. a shop there, but there's I couldn't go there. near our house as well, but you don't go to sleep there. <laughs> well, I don't get it. But stuff like that. But, but take, taking it out on the person you most love. You love, love. So, so the person you most love. So would you uh, say, so you, you're by no stretch of the imagination a selfish person. However, yeah. I've looked at myself when I was playing as well. I always said, because people say sportsmen are selfish, you've got to be selfish. And I used to think, no, I'm not selfish. But looking back in that area of my life, do yeah. you think you were selfish? Oh, massively. Massively. It's horrible. I was horrible to live with. Did you, did you ever have an opportunity to talk it through during your career? Was it just. Something? I was in a bubble. Well, yeah. I didn't care. I was in a bubble. Yeah. I just wanted to perform and do everything I could to perform on that match day. And if it if I lost, I was honestly I look back now and thinking, wow, I was so horrible. Yeah. You know, she didn't deserve it. But as you've said, you've hit the nail on the head there, Matthew. You take it out on the person you love most. Mm. And she was the only one. We had no friends around us. Yeah. We had to make new friends everywhere we move. And to the point where I can't get my head round. I know there's people in different circumstances, but every time I moved, my wife moved with me. Yeah. I'm not I was if I'd have gone to a club and she wouldn't have moved with me for me. I wouldn't have gone. I would have questioned: Is she, are we right together? Yeah. Because you go together, and I know people have different circumstances, different times of life. You know, if your kids are fifteen or fourteen and doing GCSE, I get all that. But as a young as a youngster, I'd be way young. We didn't have a clue. I couldn't boil an egg. I mean, I didn't have a clue. I'd be first house. You know, you know, like clue. um, it, it, oh, did you? You couldn't boil an egg. Couldn't boil. I didn't have a clue. I moved. But, but, you stick it in water and put it on the. But no, now I didn't know at the time when I was twenty-two. Yeah. This is bizarre. I never done. I had to yeah, do it. I, I, do you know what? I don't think I knew how to boil. Didn't have a clue. Boil an egg in my early childhood. But you know, like sport is Hang very, minute, very. Matthew, bu- you've written books. You can't boil an egg. 
Even though your head looks like one. <laughs> even though, even though, hang on, there's a boiled egg there with a pair of headphones on. <laughs> but just on on the sport thing, just it's very binary, isn't it? You win or you. In most areas of life, you get home, you might have had a good day, a slightly bad day. In sport, you've either won or you've, you've lost. lost, and it, and therefore it's going to massively you can draw. Yeah, you can draw, but it's going to massively affect. You can't in table tennis. Massively affect oh. your mood. Yeah, Freddie, did you ever find that your Disappointment, bitterness, anger after losing—you you would take it home with you. Yeah, in in a different way because we we spoke about that selfish thing. I never thought I was a selfish cricketer. Yeah, but then to the people closest to, I'm close to them. You know, we, if we lost, I might not speak for three days. Yeah. You know, I, I won't say it. I'd just be sat there and I just play it through in my head all the time. Mm-hmm. The things my missus has put up with me, for instance. You know, after a test match, you talk about sleeping in separate beds. After a test match, we slept in separate beds in case I wet myself. Because <laughs> 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 usually, usually we had a massive night, right? <laughs> it's like your teammates get the best of you. You turn up, you're looking forward to it, you're going to play. You win, you go out with a lad, you have a cracking night around London. You know, you end up in the in the bars and the clubs and in my case, throwing eggs at David Blade in a box. It was amazing. <laughs> and then you come back. And then your missus misses out on that. If you lose, she gets you then. She gets you at home, yeah. you know, having an absolute shocker. And I've been look, I've listed some of the things which have happened in our life um, as a result of me being a cricketer. We had to move the wedding three times because we we're going to wow. get married. I kept getting injured. So we had to move the wedding because I had to have training. Turned out, I was back at training on the Monday. I've been getting married on a Saturday. We booked in the Ritz. I had a row with a person for our first lunch because she didn't like the daughter so we had a subway for our first meal as a married couple <laughs> so that's that's not great wedding anniversary we had one of them i've missed so many wedding anniversaries the yes. birth of my second son i wasn't there for where were you i was in india and it i was there for my daughter and then my son he was going to be born and i was going to come home and i got offered the england captaincy yeah so i phoned the missus i says look either way I respect your opinion on this and I'll do whatever you want. I've been offered the England captaincy, but that means I've got to stay for the full tour. I can't pop home for the birth of our child. I'm staying. She said, no, stay, because when your lad gets older, he'll ask where have you been. He said, you're England captain. So oh, that'll do. So two weeks later, I've been to this dodgy suit shop in India getting measured up. I'm sat in back at car of all people, Duncan Fletcher. Right? <laughs> so... Phone goes. I says, hello, love you, all right? She says, yeah, I'm fine, thanks. She says, can you hear that in the background? I said, no, what is it? So it's your son. Yeah, no. I says, oh, so you've had it then? And then the oh. first person I told was Duncan Fletcher. Didn't what go did, for a what did he say? That's good news. <laughs> <laughs> so I told him. Turns out the missus drove herself to hospital, had a baby, stayed for a bit, drove, him up, drove home with our new child, brought fish and chips home for my mum and dad, and I'm in India getting measured up for a suit I never wore. Wow. So, wow. the, the pedlo, right? You only got the yeah. pedlo in the West Indies, right? You try making that phone call. You tell, you phone <laughs> your missus saying I've been rumbled here by newspaper. I've phoned up. It's Saturday morning. I've got wind. News of the world tomorrow. I'm gonna be all over it because I've tried to get on a pedlo drunk at two o'clock in the morning during the World Cup. So I'm thinking, how do I approach this? It's also Mother's Day tomorrow. So I phoned <laughs> up and I said, oh, I love you. All right? She goes, Yeah, yeah. You she says, Yeah. She says, what are you up to? I said, I'm just going to go and do the press. I've got to do a press conference. And that's nothing strange about that day before a game. She says, all right, game's coming up tomorrow. I says, what about that? I'm actually not playing. She says, why? I said, I've been banned. She said, what have you been banned for? I said, well, are you sitting down? It's going to be a, <laughs> I had to explain to my wife 
how a 27-year-old man has tried to get on a pedal at two <laughs> o'clock in the morning during a World Cup. And her first word was, you beep, phone your mum. So I had to phone my mum. So she did that. She's just dealt with everything. Yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah. And just, just the first day we met, the first, I told you last time, the yeah. first time I met her, I took her out. I was in News at World. Mm. What was for, the headline? Um, Flintoff's love making like he's balling hard, fast and short of length. <laughs> and that was the first, that was the first time we went out and get a load of this, right? As you know, as relationships move on, move on. So we started seeing each other and we started getting to know each other and then things move on in, in all different departments. And she's decided that for the Old Trafford Test match against Sri Lanka, she's going to stay in my hotel room. She's going to stay at the hotel. And I'm thinking, here we go, this is it, this is it. So I'm preparing, as all great athletes do. I phoned my mate Paddy up in Liverpool. I said, Paddy, you saw the write-up a few weeks ago. I need to put a shift in. I said, look, can you, st- can you, can you still get hold of them blue pills? Right? He says, what, the Viagra? I go, yeah, Paddy, get us some of them. Get Where's us- he from? He's, he's from Liverpool, just, oh. just outside. So he, she, he says, yeah, I guess. So I got me three Viagra. Turns out she's staying on the Saturday. She's going to go out with her mates in Manchester first, then she's coming back to my room. So... I finished the day's play on the Saturday. I have a pint, a bit of Dutch courage with my first Viagra at about seven o'clock. Get back to my room. I'm watching Coronation Street, half seven, quarter to eight, nothing's happening, not even a twitch. So nine o'clock passes, Matthew. Nine o'clock passes, she's not back. She's still in town with her mates. I'm in for a penny and for a pound. I've had one, nothing's happening. Let's go again. I dropped another Viagra. Let's have two Viagras in now. I'm sat there. I'm starting to sweat everything. Like Your body's like shaking. But then 11 o'clock, she's not come back. Oh, let's go again. Right. So I had another Viagra. I'm three and she got back at one o'clock in the morning. Nothing happened. I'm driving to my own ground for a test match to get Shanky next morning. I've got Steve Wright's love songs on in the car. I get, right, I get in the dressing room. I get in the dressing room, right? We go in there and then it's warm-ups. I'm trying to put my shorts on. It's them with lining, no undies. I did warm-ups with my hand in my pocket. He said, you want to hit a few balls? I said, just my left hand. I'm batting with my hand in my pocket, holding it. And then, right, we're batting. England are batting. I'm batting at number six. We lost three quick wickets, I'm next in. I'm stood there, I've got my box in my hand, thinking, how am I going to do this? It's just balancing on top. Right? So I went out to bat against Sri Lanka without a box on. I'm walking down the steps at Old Trafford. This is a day I've dreamed of. My home ground, England. So coming out to bat at number six for England, is Lancashire's on, Andrew Flintoff. I've got to stand in aversion everywhere. I'm walking out, I'm walking down the stairs like the penguin. I can't move. I then, this is the only time this has happened in my career. I got run out, backing up, which means Alex Stewart, he's hit it. The ball was flicked his finger and I'm out my ground and on strikers and the ball was at the stumps. But I had a decision to make, right? <laughs> because I could have turned round and I could have got back in, but my willy was strapped in my jock strap like the belt round it. And I thought, if I move too quick, it's going to come out. <laughs> so I just give up. I just give up and walked off and waited for it to go down. Gets worse, Matthew, get this. And then I sit there. I've waited for this to go down all day. It's just gone down. I'm in a towel. Dean Conway, the 20 year old, so 20 stone Welsh physio, says, he said, Fred, are you ready for your treatment? I'm waiting for a double hernia operation. He's got to rub my groins. I'm led on the bed. <laughs> Dean Conway starts rubbing my groins. I said, Dean, it's not you, it's me. Just work round it. So I told that story to my wife in a Thai restaurant in London. And I'd had a few, and I was getting louder. The entire restaurant just stopped as I've got to the... And the, the visual was rubbing it. The restaurant started clapping. <laughs> I was standing ovation in a Thai restaurant. 
So oh, oh, I'm, I'm sweating now. I'll tell you, I am uh, drenched. So, Matthew, uh, on that, on that, <laughs> have you got any stories about being a sportsman with your wife? <laughs> um, so, I, uh, <laughs> Freddie's taking a oh. jumper uh. off. <laughs> <laughs> I met my wife after my sporting career finished. I was single, and I was single throughout most of my table tennis career, and I'd go out. You know, at the weekends, and this is before uh, Tinder and Bumble. You'd actually have to start talking to someone in order to Bumble. What's that? Bumble. I thought you were busy that that last week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And early on, though, you know, you get into a conversation. They say, "So, what do you do for a living?" And being an honest person, I'd say, "Well, I'm actually a a professional table tennis player." I thought I had it by by saying cricket. (laughs) They would turn around and start laughing. Really? Remember one time I was out for about. I bet you were so jealous of Billy Elliot when he. he, (laughs) It's not that bad. Not that bad at ballet dancing. Not that bad at playing table tennis. So there, at that point, I started. Well, I'd go out and I'd say, "Yes, uh, um, I'm actually an investment banker." You did lie. Or I would say, and this was in the days when I was a. I still am a freelancer, but I was a freelancer for the Times. But I only get an article in the paper about once every three months, and I'd get like 150 quid for it. But I'd say yes, I'm a, a journalist for the Times yeah. newspaper, and that was the only way to really? pull. Really, even weaker than ease when you said that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Table tennis, I should say, in its defence, is a big global sport. You know, a huge number of people playing in China, Japan, and I, I was earning good money probably similar to what a middle-ranking England player was earning, I would <laughs> really? have to lie about my profession in order to... No way. Yeah, I did. I used to tell them all sorts. Really? Yeah. Wow. Looking I can't believe you lied what you were. Yeah. Well, what else do you do? You can't... If you say I'm a professional table tennis player, I've got to tell you, it went down like a lead balloon most of the time. It's much worse, I think, in... in but just... um. Circling back, just last question on this and go on the third topic. Today, Robbie, you've got enormous gratitude to your wife. And you spoke with incredible raw honesty about some of the things you did perhaps wrong. Today, do you think that you're more emotional? You still have ups and downs in the media and in the career you got. Are you now more emotionally balanced and does that now come full circle? No, no, it doesn't. I'm still the same. Really? Because... She, sometimes my wife will say, "You're not on six or six now, you know." Oh. <laughs> you know that's what yeah. she'll say. You know, wife's been to me like that. But what's it been like for her? Because I suppose being a cricketer in some ways, you're quite lucky in the fact that it's not tribal like football, and you you don't because mm. you like Lancashire, you don't hate Derby. It was all about England. Yeah. So if I was in trouble or got I got myself in trouble, like the peddler or like something else in the newspaper, that was my doing. Whereas you, being a footballer. I mean, all these people liking you, but let's be honest, a lot more don't yeah, because yeah, you don't play yeah. for their team. The yeah. way in which you played, how has that taken its toll on the missus when people are saying them things Good about question, you? Yeah, yeah she, um, she... She must be strong. Very strong. And I, I, I underestimate how strong she is. You know, there was a game not so long ago when um, I played for the Class of 92 and it was against Salford. Mm. And my wife was there with my boys. I'd retired, obviously, and I was playing for the Class of 92, all the old players back at Salford, launching Salford FC, you know. And she was there with my boys, and they were being at vile to me, behind sitting behind her. The, the, the fans were? Yeah. Um, and, and the kids were crying. And she she takes that all on her shoulders. And even at games, you know, she's had, when we've been out at times, you know, she she kicked somebody once to stick it up for me, you know, because people are horrible. And I have underestimated how strong she really is. And so lucky 
to have her. Do you know what I mean? I know we, yeah. we, we can, no. this is genuinely serious now. And, you know, when you see her giving birth to your kids, that is incredible. What she, they, you know, and to be a mother of, it's such a hard job. And yeah. I would say her job has been harder than mine to, to, to support a sportsman yeah, who, from, who are getting yeah. the limelight. Yeah. For her to be at home by her choice and, and, and support me and support the family, you know, is just amazing. And, and I can't take my hat off enough to, to, to the women out there who stay at home, you know, and, and bring up a family in a loving and caring way. It's amazing. All right, Rob. No, that's brilliant. Thanks for that. You just got on a monologue about your missus. I'll have to do one now. It's funny. We didn't know each other really at yeah. all before we started doing this podcast. And it is worth acknowledging when one gets the sense of how nasty and visceral the abuse can be on the social media, Horrible. that, that yeah. your family, your children yeah. are reading that. Just one thing on the missus as well yeah. is that you live in... We're very similar. My yeah. missus says to me, yeah. Sarah and Rachel have the conversation about him and then the conversation just turn into both of us because yeah. we're very similar. And... The one thing about it is, is that if living with a professional sportsman must be an absolute nightmare. nightmare. We've already discussed how insecure we are. Yeah. We've discussed about the ups and downs, the highs and lows, expecting them to fit in with our lives. You know, she moved up north, which I think is a blessing, but, you know, she moved home, she came up north. We lived in Dubai because I wanted to go there for a while. Then we lived down south because we wanted to go there. Everything, she's come with us. And she's she's probably been the one thing which is the most constant and reliable yeah. probably within our family. Stability. Yeah, where mm. I'm oh, a bit flaky. Yeah. It's a good point. Now, well, living with a sportsman, it, it's... <clears throat> it's a nightmare. Uh, so we're going to move on now to topic number three, and I think this is going to be an explosive one. Oh, yeah. Fred, you are asking which sport has the best fans, which sport has the worst fans. Well, you, you're right and wrong in what you're saying there, Matthew. I know which sport has the best fans. Cricket is, is, is not, even a, not even a discussion, but I'm sure we'll have one. But it's the worst fans. It's them things Robbie's just talked about then. The football fan who feels the need to hurl abuse at players, to get on social media and abuse. The boxing fans who just want to go to a fight, have a load of beer and kick off in the stands. In my fight, there's more action outside the ring than in the middle. <laughs> They're just fighting left, right and centre. The rugby lot who stand in car parks out the back of the Range Rovers. Oh, pass me the rough water. I'm sorry, I'm silly, me. Only boats, Stilton. Is that, what's that about? What's that? The darts fans who dress up as Elvis and Scooby-Doo's. When, when is it good? When is it ridiculous? And when is it bad? That's my question. I've got my points. I've got my thoughts. But, Robbie, I want to hear yours. You deal with these people on 606, phoning in, venting their aggression on you. See, I, I think... A lot of football fans are very, very good. Very good. Support their side. You know, go to the game, cheer, clap, and support their side. There's an element in football fans where I wouldn't say idiots. I'd say worse than that. Yeah. I would yeah. say worse than that. Um, the worst of the worst. Why, why the is worst it? Of the why, worst. why is it? Right? Tribe, you've said tribal. Tribal, but not tribal. Yeah, but excuses. Why is it two 50-year-old men cannot sit together in a football stadium because they're shouting for a different set of lads kicking a ball? Why can they not be trusted to sit next to each other? It's tribal. I, I, you mean I it's don't tribal? Know, yeah, it's tribal. So if you support Birmingham or Aston Villa, you know... It, well, I can't sit next to someone who... Because... The, why? The, 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 I, think, I think it's because of a minority 
who might kick off. I think that Robbie's absolutely right. The majority of football fans are devoted, they're loyal, yeah. they're, they're partisan, and it's part of their identity. Supporting Liverpool or Manchester, there's nothing wrong with that. Deluded. Then, then having as part of your identity a great allegiance to a sports club. Well, What's so, wrong, so, Freddie? Hang so, on, hang so on. So you're putting your identity down to a football team. Well, you feel an identity with Lancashire. Yeah, but I can sit next to someone from Yorkshire. Yeah, but that's what playing. I'm saying. It's the majority. Look, hang on. The majority of football fans are perfectly capable of sitting with other fans of a different ilk and getting on with them happily. There is a minority. I don't think it and is you're a right, Bobby, by the way. I've got to tell you, you're right when you say they're worse than vile. Yeah. Think about the Munich Runway song, hissing at White Hart Lane to sort of mimic the, the gas chambers of Auschwitz, the taunts at Wenger. Think about the old firm Derby, where people will unfurl deep Catholic Protestant animosities that mean nothing in contemporary Scottish life, but because they want to resurrect something to justify their tribal mm. animosity towards each other. That is a fringe activity in football, but it's a significant one. Vile. Some, some, some football fans, some and the minority of vile people who I, you know, just dis disgust me. Yeah. Disgust me. And they think of themselves as hardcore but they're not, but I they're don't idiots. Think, I don't think they're the real fans, though. 95% yeah. of people, football fans for me, are genuine, honest, they'll have a, you know, passionate and get behind their yeah, side. Yeah, but passion, passion, I, I'm all for passion and following your team and getting behind them. But I've been to football matches and I'll be there, I'll be watching, and some bloke in his 50s will get up yeah. and he'll just start shouting obscenities at someone. Yeah, yeah. And then half of them... They'd be looking at the the opposition fans, yeah. like gesturing to them. There's a game going on here, mate. Never mind yeah. them. Well, I was in my hotel. You take yeah. your kids and my kids listening to all that. I was in my hotel man. room in in the in the Euros, where Wales fans were magnificent. Mm -hmm. They went there, they enjoyed it. You know, Irish fans. I don't. But I was in my hotel, and England fans were running down the street. There was there was Russian fans and whatever fans, and it was a disgrace. The yeah. minority. But what, why do people want to go to these sporting events and fight? I, I, but, but we've talked. Okay, I don't let get me it. ask you about this phenomenon. You've kind of alluded to it, Freddie. That there's a there's a tiny minority who are vile and they go to football matches to shout abuse. Most, I think, are decent people who go to support their team. But there is a group. It's, I think it's probably as large as twenty percent who are perfectly normal, decent, law-abiding people. But I remember going on a bus from North London. To the uh, to White Hart Lane, and a couple of people. I think one was an accountant, one had another a professional. They started changing; their personalities seemed seemed to morph, and and they went from perfectly staid people to starting to shout and get really yeah. to start showing. Out. And when they got to the ground, expletives, saying horrible things about the referee and about the. There is something about football, Robbie. If we're being completely honest, it does turn a certain group of people from decent into. Genuinely, I, and I agree. Difficult. I can't, I can't, I can't stick up for the back, back my sport up these fans because I, I totally agree. I totally agree, and it only just seems. You look at rugby; they sit together. I know cricket. Yeah, they yeah, sit. Cricket. You know, why football? I, I although I let, let's be it. honest, the Barmy Army. That, I mean, it's a bit too much about them, isn't it? There's a cricket match going on. We're the Barmy Army. We're the Barmy. I mean, come on, let's oh, do that. It's not do about again, you. It's about guys in the middle. Can you dance? I'm the Barmy You're the Barmy Army now. Who's the Barmy Army? Who are these I hope this is on the camera. I'll be honest with you, there's the Barmy Army. If we can get anyone to watch cricket, we'll have them. <laughs> we'll have them, we'll take it. But the Barmy Army, oh, in, in their defence, the Barmy Army have been brilliant over the years. 
Because you look around the world of cricket and you look at test matches and there's nobody watching. Mm. The Bahami Army, they'll travel. Yep. 20, 30,000 will go to Australia. 20, 30,000 in South Africa. We're playing at home everywhere we go. They go to Pakistan, they go to Bangladesh. There's always a contingency. Having said that, you don't want to bump into them at night. You, you really don't. They've been on the bevy all day. I've been in situations where I've had a day's play, I've gone out for something to eat with my wife, and there'll be a bar army in the restaurant, and they'll start oh. chanting at you, eating, eat when you're eating, like, the fork's going to his mouth, and all that. It's like, just leave us alone. What's going on with these people? But do you know what? I, I, I tried to be a football fan. I, I've tried. I tried being a football fan, and I've got a story which I'm really embarrassed by. You never told the story before. No, but I'm, I'm embarrassed by it. There's a reason, and you'll find out why I've not told this before. I sampled football, right? Remember when England played in the World Cup in Germany? Mm-hmm. 2006. Opening game, I went. I got invited to go by a company I was working for at the time, but it was on the proviso I do a live match of the day interview from the ground. The night before, I'd been at a, far- a party. My mate's Mrs. 40th birthday party. I've got a taxi picking me up at quarter to six. I get home with Steve Armisen at quarter to five. I've got my times mixed up. The taxi's waiting. Mm. So we've just got straight into the taxi. We're going to pick Neil Ferber up, my agent. We're outside his house. I'm outside the sunroof, <laughs> chanting football songs about England and this and that, waking the old street up. He gets in the car. We get on the plane to Frankfurt. I sleep all the way. This sponsor I'm working with, they've organised the breakfast, beautiful. I said, I don't want this. I don't want this. I'm a football fan today. I want to be with my people. I want to go and drink with the fans. So we go to the ground. We have a few drinks with the fans. We're doing the chanting. We're doing all that. We're getting into it. Don't get me wrong. I'm enjoying myself. We turn up at the ground. We walk in. I do my interview live on the BBC. In my head, this interview is the best interview I've ever done. (laughs) I've summed up the passion, I've summed up the crowd, I've summed up the atmosphere, I've summed up everything which is good about sport. Unfortunately, I was talking Egyptian. Not one <laughs> word I said made sense. They go back into the studio, I found out later that Gary Lineker's just sat there with his eyes wide open. Ian Wright's giggling. They say, oh, Fred enjoys his weekends. But it gets worse, right? I have a running with Graham Paul, yo, mate. Really? Graham Paul oh. starts to tell me about how bad England are at cricket. I'm playing for these lads. So I told him to beep off which he was quite happy with he says now I've been told to F off by so many footballers now a cricketer so I've told him we then we drink all day like all the fans do we do it and then because we're being looked after by this company when we get on the flight we get escorted on we're first on we're, we're important and you're hammered at this point oh yeah right <laughs> so I'm ticking so we're going through and you know when you're in an airport and then you think I've got to go through security but I need a wee but if I go for a wee I'm going to get the back of the queue it's going to waste time so I think I'll do it when I get on the plane so I get escorted on onto the plane. I'm now I'm I'm struggling. I've got my legs. I'm tensing. I'm walking faster. I get onto the plane. I just go. I open the door. I pull my pants down. I fling my head back. I open my eyes. I'm not in the toilet. I'm in the cockpit. <laughs> There's two German pilots. We turn round and she says, "Get him off my plane." So then. Like all football fans do who've disgraced themselves. <laughs> the security come on. I get marched off the plane. I've now got to walk past a line of 100 yards of England football fans who now think I'm the messiah. They think I am the man. This is brilliant. I'm a football fan. I was skulking down, had my head down as the chanting by name. Freddie enjoys his weekends. Oh, wow. goodness me. But I, I'm not happy with that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's something which will never, ever happen again. I'm one of the 
the many reasons I stopped drinking. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to a shout-out for potentially the best fans, darts, at the BDO, Robbie, Robbie at Lakeside. Lakeside. How fantastic Lakeside, is that? The atmosphere, the colour, the theatricality, they're part of the spectacle. That's Lakeside, um, respectful, um, happy. Um, they'll have a few drinks, but it never gets out of hand. You know, you you compare that to other darts tournaments, where, as Ferry said, I was at one the other day over Christmas when there was a grown man who looked very similar to you, Matthew, with the glass on bald head, um, physically not great, um, and he was dressed as a crab. He was dressed as a crab, and he had a jug in his hand, right? And he was like, enjoying himself, fair play to the guy. But the more and more they yeah. drunk, he ended up, when I walked out, he was in a headlock by two policemen. The crab was yeah. in the headlock by two policemen. And this is a grown man. How did they cuff him? But, <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good point. But they enjoy themselves, yeah. but do they actually watch the darts? I, I wonder, you know, just, just certainly all the way back to football, which is probably the sport which has the fans that divide opinion the most. Think back to the 1980s, where it was quite common for a minority to chant racist abuse. One of the ways that was got rid of is because other fans would turn on them. They wouldn't want to hear it. No. Do, but today, Robbie, do you, do you think there is a role for football fans when the abuse gets to a level of vileness that is unacceptable? Like that would take a brave part. person, I think. It would. I think it's fear, that, isn't it? I think yeah. it's take a very brave person to be that person who, who's there's, there's six or seven aggressive-looking um, people chanting obscenities. It takes a very brave person to stand up and say... The stewards should be doing it, maybe. But even the stewards, they're voluntary, aren't they? Yeah. Are they voluntary? I think um, some of them are, yeah. That's, it takes a brave person to, to do that, and I, I agree with you. Um, you know, going back to football fans, um, I've been spat at um, when I've had my little boy um, walking around um, a shop in Birmingham. Um, what? Around a shop? Yeah, spat in the face. I've been punched. I went to Old Trafford um, um, with my son, Charlie, and a guy run and punched me in the back of the head, you know, when I've got my boy. So these idiots, you know, when I'm trying to stick up for my... The sport I love, and 95% of people are amazing, but you've got the minority who are totally vile people. Mm. I'm guessing, Freddie, that that's never happens to a, a cricketer. Somebody will deliberately target you for, for violence because of the team you played for. Not violence. Do you know what? I, I did have one episode playing. I was playing for England against India at Durham, and I was fielding on the boundary. And this fella, he was behind me, and he was calling me all sorts. It was an Indian fella who was calling me all sorts of obscenities and there's people. And I reacted. I, it, it was a bit childish. I just flicked him the bird and said, mate, crack on. He then reported me to the police. After the game, I got taken into the match referee's office. I said, what, what's this about? He says, oh, you've been inciting a riot. I said, I don't think I have, mate, really. This is cricket. I said, I might have flicked the bird. And then the what's police... the bird mean? I'd given the finger. Oh. And then the policeman came in. And I said, mate, what what is this about? He says, look, we've got to we've got to look into this, see it through. Did you? I said, yeah, I did. But this fella has just and cricket, you don't move. Yeah, you just stood in front of him at his mercy. I said, this bloke's been hammering me for the past half hour, hour. That's all I've done. And luckily, there was a group of fans around who verified my story. story. So they dropped it. Next game. Of all the things, I'm at Wards. I go and field on the boundary. He's not there again. He's behind me again. No. He's behind me again. He's like, oh my, so I got him, got him booted out. Now, let's, let's just finish off on this by each of us, one word, two words actually each, the sport with the best fans and the sport with the worst fans. Robbie, 
Sport with the best fans, I'm going tennis, snooker. What? What? Well, snooker fans are really good. There's about three of them. Oh, what do you mean? Uh, actually, that's too much. That's too old. They're not allowed to do anything. They don't do what they sit there. They, but, they, if they cough, they go. Really? They're fans. They're fans. Snooker. What? The best fans are snooker. Okay. What? Go, yeah, good shot. What? I think snooker fans okay, are good. the worst. The worst fans, you've got to say the minority of football fans. Good. Okay, Freddie. Best fans, cricket. Best fans, cricket. Worst. Even though, Our cricket even fans though, even though, Robbie, if you can watch county cricket all week, you're either unemployed or unemployable. One of the two. <laughs> but these are lovely people. Yeah. Lovely people. You get behind the team. You get a bit of stick from time to time. Cricket, Barmy Army, people travel the world following the team, get behind us most of the time. The worst. I'm torn here. I'm torn. It's a toss-up. Between? The boxing fans. Oh. Boxing fans. Oh. But I, I don't get it. Let's let's get a load of men drunk and then put a fight on. What are you going to get? It's, it's ridiculous. Boxing fans and obviously... Football fans. And I, what I will say about football fans, I went to watch Preston over Christmas a couple of times with my kids and it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. It was it, it was amazing. We loved it. It was nice. And I'm probably speaking to a minority of fans. Yeah. However, I think the minority is a little bit bigger than Robbie thinks. Well, I'm going to go best fans football for precisely the reasons you both described. We've got some fantastic people, deep loyalty, but the worst also Football. That minority disfigure the game, and it Can is genuinely grotesque. Can I not change my snooker? I didn't. I was just <laughs> snooker. Seriously, <laughs> honestly, seriously. Yeah, he's going to choose the, pool. I, no, I think. Can't take I it think, back. I think. The, I think the, the lakeside darts. The lakeside darts. I, I think yeah. swimming fans and <laughs> and tennis fans. The people who watch okay. the marathon. Guys, thank you. Unbelievable mix of stories. <laughs> We've had stories from Freddie that I'd never heard before that have gone out to the British public for the first time ever. Robbie, they had amazing unbel- stories. Really them. interesting on your relationship with your wife. That was really moving. For those who are listening, thank you so much. Um, If you're hearing this on Five Live, you can download the podcast for an extended version of the show at the Five Live website and all the usual podcast places. Please use hashtag FredSavSide to get in touch with us through the week. If you could leave a review on iTunes, we've had quite a few, I think 130 reviews. My family only put 30 of them up, so that's (laughs) 100 plus. Um, Give us the rating and review. That would be great. Uh, A thank you to everyone who's already done that. We'll be back next week. For now, from all of us, goodbye. Introducing Pocket Cast, the powerful podcasting platform recognized by Wired Magazine as the podcast app every iPhone user needs and by the New York Times as the favorite among podcast experts. Pocket Cast is beautifully designed, easy to use, and helps you quickly discover and enjoy your favorite podcasts with over 700,000 shows to choose from. Download the app, now free, at pocketcast.com.